Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. How powerful is Cox Internet? So powerful that one day, your daughter will be able to simulate a soccer match against some of the world's best players right from your backyard. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Internet delivered through Cox's hybrid fiber coax network. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions apply. Creaking doors, creaking floors, and the feeling that you're being watched may make you think you have a ghost in your home. But what would really convince you? Our guest today could almost dismiss all the signs of her haunted home until she saw something unforgettable. And you won't be able to forget about it either after you hear her story. Listen to her tell you all about it today on Homespun Hates. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Homespun Hates. I'm Becky. And I'm Diana. And today on the show, we have Sarah. We're very excited about her for so many reasons. We were introduced to her through our publicist, Alexandra, who is the founder of the Podroland PR company. She specializes in PR for female podcasters like us. And she introduced us to Sarah, who is a published author and who is going to tell us a little bit about Korean death folklore and her own hauntings. It's going to be super, super cool. And it's just in time for spooky season. Oh, I'm so excited for spooky season, Becky. I am so excited for spooky season, Diana. In celebration of spooky season coming up, I did think that it was about time that we introduced some new words into our lexicon. Oh. Because it's spooky time. We need some spooky words. Spooky etymology. (laughs) Thank you. Because as you know, there is that theory that like words – If you don't have a word for something, you can't conceive of it. And we know that's bullshit. We conceive of it and then we come up with a word for it. And (laughs) if there's not a word in this language, you might take one from another, like zeitgeist or Jacques Cousteau or... (laughs) (laughs) What does that word mean? Is that what we're adding to our our lexicon today? I did a total Jacques Cousteau the other night. (laughs) What does it mean? I don't know. You can't even conceive of it. So I had a few experiences in the past few weeks, and I really wished I had some words for them. And I just thought this would be a great time to introduce them. I, I made up some words, Diana. Oh, you made up these words. I, I thought made you were up these words. Tell me words other people made up. Like we found out that with the new Android update, we can now type it in Terabang. What's that? See, these are words that we added to our lexicon. It's it's a question mark with an exclamation point through it to indicate question mark exclamation point. And now on Android, you can use it <laughs> in your texting. Hey, let me send Let's you one right here. now. Let's okay. see here. Let's see. Let's see. I haven't updated my iOS in a very long time. So, Dude, <laughs> that is so cool. I never thought I'd tell you a word that you didn't know about. I, I mean, I'm not showing off. I I'm know. just like, I'm baffled because I, I assume that you're like my greatest resource when it comes to type and font and whenever I have a question, I'm like, Becky, what is a serif? You know, so. I was until today. No, no. <laughs> I have a terrifying Allowing me. you to eat my brains and gain my knowledge here. Now you know more. <laughs> All right. Anyway. So I have I have some new words, not terabang, but thank you. Thank you for making me feel small and unworthy of my typography degree. 
But hopefully this, this is how this you treat my gift of a new word. It's almost like you're like, thanks for this hand with the curse on it. If you want to know what that is, you have to be a Patreon because we talk about <laughs> mummy's curses on our latest Patreon episode. Uh, so here we are. And tell me if these, if you think these are good. And I did not look these up on Urban Dictionary to make sure they weren't in use. So if they are, I'm sorry. I can open new Ooh, meetings you, for them. Do you want to tell me what they are and I can, I can try to guess what they mean? Okay. Yes. All right. The first one I have is Wraithalath. Wraithalath. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That's obviously when you're PMSing, which is very angry and moody, and you start sharpening your sickle so you can go collect some souls. That's a really good guess, but no. Oh. <laughs> so- what is a Wraithalath? <laughs> what part of speech is it? I didn't. It's 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 a noun, so you okay. were right about that. So it is it is a feeling. It is a feeling. Okay. So you got that part. You know how when you're lying in bed and you feel something creep up behind you, uh-huh. and then suddenly it's gone, and it's almost like there's like a void you can feel where they were, and it's not there anymore. You know what I mean? Like when you when you know that it's not there anymore. That vacuous feeling. It's like a vacuum almost. Like there was something there and then it's not. So that that vacuous feeling itself is the Wraithalath. Ah, what's left over after. Yes. After the hairs on the back of your neck stand up. Yeah. And they're like, I think it's gone. I, I feel a Wraithalath. It must be gone. Oh, wow. Okay. I feel a See, this is why Thank we need a word for this. sentence for me. Yeah. No, that that's a very good word. I like that word. Cool. The, the Wraithalath after the storm. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's it's not quite calming, but... But it is a relief. It is in a way, but it's almost worse because that's sometimes when you realize something was there. It's the oh, absence of the thing that makes you realize something was there. True, true. Yeah. All right. All right. So cool. Next word, knob squasher. <gasps> Does this have to do with penises again? No, it does not have to do with penises. Why does everything have to do with penises with you? Oh, wait, that's me. (laughs) With me. (laughs) You've trained me well. A knob squasher. Knob Mm -hmm. squasher, knob squasher. It sounds like... hmm. It is a noun. These are all nouns. Okay. Because I was going to say you might do a knob squasher if you get like your hand caught in the door. Mm-hmm. Between the doorknob and the wall while you're opening the door for somebody. Oh, no, there's this is not K-N-O-B, it's just N-O-B. Oh, okay. Knob, knob squasher. Knob squasher. Uh, it's, I'd, I'd say that would be probably a headache that's so bad that you want to put your head in a vice and bust it like a watermelon. That's really good. Good guess. But not paranormal. Right? No. Oh, these uh, are all paranormal terms. They're all par- I should you have gotta leave with that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I just assumed the podcast is called Homespun Haints. I'm not going to be up here talking about bodily functions. Oh, wait. We never do that. We never talk about We never that. get off topic. You're welcome. Yeah, or talk about bugs. Or, no, it has nothing to do I with I need bugs. another guess now that I okay, know that it has right, to do with right, ghosts. All right. All right. Squasher, knob squasher. Oh, man, this is a good one. Knob squasher. A knob squasher would be a haunting that leaves the entire family depressed. That's also a very good guess. But no. Am I close? Oh, oh, damn. Kind of. So a knob squasher is actually a, a tool. It's a weapon you oh. can use. So oh. this is this is something that you – it can refer to anything. It could be a spray. It could be a stick. It could be just a pot of sage. It's whatever tool or implement you keep at your bedside to attack the demon that tickles that part of your foot that's hanging out from underneath the blanket. Oh, that guy specifically. That guy specifically. That's what I've got <laughs> <laughs> on the side of the bed. Kind of ready to attack every night. Uh-huh. Because you know you know it's there. If you let your foot hang out, something will grab it. You do know, know it's there. Way. I mean, it, it's, it's almost like there's a, a – what is it? Like a, a wraithalath? It's almost yeah, like there's exactly. a wraithalath when your foot isn't getting grabbed that makes you aware mm-hmm. that at any moment it could get grabbed. It could be. Yes, exactly. And so rather than live in fear, I think everybody should arm themselves with a knob squasher. 
Yes, I think that's a wise idea. Yeah. Do you think my my heavy water bottle is good enough? I always have that by the bed. If you have holy water in it, sure. Just pour it on there. Yeah. I don't know how to make holy water. Well, it, it's, I don't know. <laughs> this is why I wish rentapriest.com was still around. Right. Make those things easier. <laughs> okay. Anyway, third word. <sighs> Twobble. 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 Mm-hmm. This sounds like a this sounds like a, a verb to twobble mm. or is it a noun? It it can, I, you know what I think it could be a verb or a noun. I'm talking about oh. a noun, but you could I I could see yourself twobbling and creating a okay. twobble like a squeegee for a yeah, noun. Yeah, exactly. So you can twobble a twobble. Hmm. This one I think twobble means to become frightened by a ghost right after eating. Like too soon after eating, you shouldn't go in the pool. You shouldn't be haunted right after eating. And it, it's when you try and like leap up to run and you can't. <laughs> I really like that. <laughs> Am I right? Is that what no. it means? <laughs> it's all completely made up. So bad so, at no, this. <laughs> well, all of these words were based off of my own experiences, and I needed something to describe them. So Fair. I've never been frightened by a ghost right after eating. And since these are my words, lucky, <laughs> could be dangerous. You could get a cramp. <laughs> right? Yeah. Stay hydrated. A twobble is that awkward silence that happens after you've told a new coworker that you had a prophetic dream about them. But instead <laughs> a new coworker specifically. A new coworker, yes. <laughs> but instead of thinking it, of it as a bonding experience, they just think you're weird and stalky. It can also refer to the awkwardness that keeps happening in the office for the next few years you work there. <laughs> just Keep twobbling. <laughs> Twobbles build on each other. It's true. They do. They I think do. That the best way the best way to disperse that awkwardness is to just start making up prophetic dreams that you've had about them, so that they think you dream about them every night and it's normal. Yeah, that's definitely the way to solve that problem. I, th- I think that'll diffuse the, the awkwardness <laughs> completely. Like this is just normal. I just dream about you every night. Has that ever happened to you? I mean, I have dreams about everyone I encounter. And I'd go into the office and be like, I had this dream about you. And people would be like, uh, not cool. <laughs> I don't want to yeah, be in your I, dreams, you weirdo. And I'm like, but, but. Many times I'll contact somebody I haven't seen in 20 years to be like, I had a dream about you last night. <laughs> you were a giant snake. And, <laughs> and you think that it's going to be a worm and fuzzy. And no, you just create a twobble instead. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I get it. I I would be honored if you twobbled me, Becky. Well, it wouldn't be awkward. It's only it's only a twobble if it's awkward. Oh, 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 oh. It would have been awkward for just a second, but then I would have thought about it and been like, you know what? That's actually really cool. Because cool. nobody likes cool. to hear portentions about themselves. I mean, I would be like, I had a dream that you met the guy of your dreams. And people would be like, not cool. I want to be out of your head. Be like, okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> want to be out Just of your head. I'm sad. Go back to my cubicle and draw pictures for money. Twobble by myself. <laughs> Using twobble as a root word, is there a word for the awkwardness that you feel when you have a prophetic dream about a new coworker, but you don't tell them because you know that would be awkward? Yeah, that's a twibble. A twibble. Okay. <laughs> Gotcha. Just a little twobble. Because <laughs> it's like present tense. You haven't made it made it yet. I <laughs> see. I see. Is so twibble is twobble is it's too late. Yeah, exactly. Cat's out of the bag. It's awkward. Right, exactly. Not and if it goes you. on for too long, then you got twobble. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, I approve. I approve of these words. These That's, are good words. Those are probably real words in the Urban Dictionary, and they mean something horrible. And I just they are now. Them. I'm gonna put them in there. <laughs> We're gonna put those on Urban Dictionary, and years later, when you're listening to this podcast, hello out there in the future, um, you're going to hear this podcast. You're gonna get on Urban Dictionary and be like, Becky didn't make that up. It's right here. Everybody uses knob squasher. <laughs> I said it first. I said it first. That was a delight. Thank you. That was that was fun. Um, 
ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children, go to bed. Have you ever wondered that who would win in a fight between a Mustang and a dinosaur? Have the Black Eyed Peas been knocking at your door? Is the flying space rave keeping you up at night? And why does everything have red eyes? And who the hell is Tommy Wiseau? All this and more on the Salty Speculation podcast. And I'm Nick. I'm the one that does all the work. I'm Jay. As a Scotsman, I cover the cultural diversity aspect of the show. New episodes every week. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at the Salty Speculation Podcast. Why? Why? If you have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Wait, are you gaming on a Chromebook? Yep, it's got a high-res 120Hz display, plus this killer RGB keyboard. And I can access thousands of games anytime, anywhere. Stop playing. What? Get out of here. Huh? Yeah, I want you to stop playing and get out of here so I can game on that Chromebook. Got it. Discover the ultimate cloud gaming machine, a new kind of Chromebook. So we mentioned that we did have the most recent Patreon episode about the curse of the mummy. And if you are a patron, then you would have heard that. And speaking of Patreon, we have a new patron. (gasps) We do. (laughs) Yeah, we do. We do. I love it when you say that. I know, I know. So Katie just became a Patreon, patron, Patreon, patron. Katie just became a patron (laughs) of our Patreon. So thank you so much, Katie. It is such a delight that you are with us in our growing Patreon family. And Katie's going to get to hear all about that cursed mummy and the mummified hand and the mummies and the trains and the mummy striptease and all those other mummy things. If you're wondering what it is, you should join our Patreon too. Mummies and Train sounds like an Agatha Christie novel. Yeah. Well, there's probably (laughs) some Agatha Christie going on there too. So if you go to patreon.com slash homespunhaines, you too can check out our Patreon. And every once in a while, we put some public stuff in there. So it's worth checking it out. But there's a lot of stuff that we provide to our patrons. We love each and every one of you. We are so delighted that you have decided to support us. We also have other ways you can get in touch with us. If you're not willing to take the plunge into Patreon, you can still follow us on Instagram at HomespunHaints, on Twitter at HomespunHaints, Facebook at HomespunHaints, Pinterest at HomespunHaints, YouTube at YouTube.com slash HomespunHaints, where uh, very recently we posted a video of me belching the alphabet. So you'll want to make sure you go check that out. And Diana, I haven't told you about this yet, but um, we have a TikTok. Are you tired of websites that have been Frankenstein together? Oh, my website is so slow and creaky. Every time I use the search bar, it just returns Abby normal over and over again. Becky's sister company, The Concept Spot, holds the secret to life itself and can create new life from nothing. In fact, we've been giving life to highly functional websites for the last 25 years using premium parts we swear we didn't salvage from graveyards. Ooh, check out that head image. Instead of going <laughs> my new website purrs. Need a blog? The Concept Spot can do that. Want an online store? We can do that too. We build our sites from the cellular level. No reused templates or discarded body parts here. So we can make your site do whatever you want and look however you want. <gasps> it's gorgeous! I can't even see the stitches. We can also resurrect your dead website if rigor mortis has set in. Oh, it's like a new man. If you think homespun haints is frighteningly genius, you should see our websites. Let your favorite ghoulish gals, Becky and Diana, build you a monstrous website that will wreak havoc on the internet for years to come. Visit theconceptspot.com for more information. It's live! It's live!
We have a TikTok. <laughs> we have a How TikTok. How cool are we? <laughs> I know, I know. We're 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 a few years late, but we finally jumped on that ticky tocky bandwagon thingy <laughs> that all the kids are doing. I guess well, I, I don't know. I think it's download a, the app. <laughs> I think it's a clock or something. TikTok was a character in Return to Oz. Anyway, it was, it was kind yeah. of freaky. Yeah, like you know, it's like a big metal can thing with a face. So definitely. <laughs> Check us out on TikTok if you're on TikTok, because we have all of like nine followers and we would love to make that go up. (laughs) (laughs) So, yes, without further ado, now that we have increased your lexicon, let's hear from an actual writer. (laughs) 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 The amazing, the eloquent, the haunted Sarah. Today on the show, we have Sarah Jenny Park, who is a writer out of Queens, New York. She has been published in Truancy Magazine and Peach Velvet Magazine, and she is also the incoming editor for Mochi Magazine. Is that correct, Sarah? Yes. Incoming executive editor. That's supporting the incoming editor-in-chief. Very nice. So how long have you been with Mochi Mag then? I've been volunteering with them since 2019, summer 2019. And it's been completely remote. This was before the pandemic. So we're spread out. We're like a team of Asian American women all across the US. And what is the magazine's purpose? It's to amplify Asian American women who are very underrepresented in the media. We want to celebrate Asian American women. We want to feature businesses, highlight people who are doing wonderful things in the community. Also, we speak to mostly an Asian American female audience. So we also want to empower our community to be informed, fight for social justice, and to just celebrate being us. That sounds great. So you can find that online. The magazine is all online. And that is at mochimag.com. And you can also find Sarah's personal writings at sarahjennypark.com. And Jenny is spelled J-I-N-E-E. And we'll have links to all of these things in our show notes for this episode. So definitely be sure you check that out. She has a beautiful voice when she writes. So be sure you you check out everything that she's done. Well, Sarah, it is such an honor to have you on the show. I know that not only have you had some haunted experiences of your own, but you also would like to share with us some of Korean ghost culture that you grew up with that sort of informed and framed your experiences once you later moved into a haunted apartment, which we'll hear about in a few minutes here. So can you tell us a little bit about some of the folklore that you grew up with that a lot of our audience may not be very familiar with? Yeah, absolutely. Well, first, full disclaimer that I don't want to say that I'm an expert on these topics. I can't speak for all Koreans and the many different cultures and belief systems that exist in Korea. There's so many and it's so complex. So I can really only speak to my own beliefs and understandings as a Korean American woman and the traditions that have been passed down to me. But to start, even as a kid, I think Korean death culture and ghost culture was like really big in my life. My mother is terrified of these things and she won't even like go go near any of it. Uh, I think she she's traumatized by some experiences as a child herself, but she refuses to share. But it was always on like Korean TV, whether it was like Korean dramas or actual programs specifically about ghost tales. Korean ghost culture is really unique in that it's informed by traditional polytheistic animistic shamanism, as well as Confucian ancestor worship, as well as Buddhism. So it's so it's so layered with different cultural aspects. But at the root of it, I think shamanism includes someone called a budang, who's a shaman who mediates between spirits and mortals. There is this belief that we have to follow certain rituals, often mediated by these budangs, so that our loved ones can pass peacefully into the afterlife. 
And in some cases, for some people who believe this, into the next life so that they're reborn, they can be reborn as and have a better life in the next life cycle. These traditional rituals are slowly fading away, especially the more like elaborate processions and expressions of mourning. I think Western imperialism and Japanese colonization also like really have stamped parts of Korean traditions out, but it still exists in like kind of the rural mountainous areas. And actually in some ways in the Korean American diaspora, you have people who cling on to like the old ways more so than the ones back home. I think Korea right now is like rapidly westernizing and and the technology sector is just booming. But in in many ways, I feel like, I don't know, I think Korean American culture, like as immigrants came to the US, they brought some of those old ways, if that makes sense. Interesting. So you're saying that Korean American families tend to be more traditional in their practices and beliefs than the average city dwelling Korean in Korea. Maybe. You know, I think in some ways, yes. For example, my family still celebrates death days. And death days are where we literally invite our ancestor spirits into our homes on the anniversary of their death. And we prepare like really elaborate dinners. And there are all these rules as to like, for example, how many pieces of fruit you need to you need to cut and how you have to cut them so that the spirit can eat them when they come come into your house. So my father's family does this every year for my paternal grandfather. It's interesting because I speak to some of my Korean relatives back in Korea and they're like, oh yeah, we don't do that. <laughs> we don't do that anymore. We're too busy. So it's really Ooh. interesting. My maternal grandparents, my maternal side doesn't do this at all. They were, my grandparents on my mom's side were refugees from North Korea. So there's just kind of an unspeakable trauma there. So there isn't so much ancestor worship on that side. But on my father's side, yeah, we've been doing these death dinners and it used to terrify me as a child, you know, the idea that like you have to open the door and you have to set up and wait and serve the spirit alcohol. And it was really scary to me, especially because I'd never met my paternal grandfather. So like, it, it was just like this mysterious, like old man coming through our doors. Wow. So is this ritual, is this supposed to be very somber morning? Or is it more of a celebration of life? That's a great question. Yeah, it's a little bit of both. I think I think morning and celebration are kind of intertwined. We definitely it's it's super important to be respectful. Like you're not supposed to laugh during these during these ceremonies. And I guess it probably differs upon family to family. I'm sure some people do include laughter and, and joy. But it's more of like during the ceremony we're very my family, we're very somber and we do a little prayer. And then afterwards, when we can actually eat the food that we've prepared after the spirit has already eaten, that's when we can kind of like change into our regular clothes and, and just kind of hang out. Okay. It's like a funeral in a wake, but it, it happens every year. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay. So if you do this on the sort of death anniversary, I guess, of, of each of your ancestors, it sounds like this is going to be something that's going to happen multiple times a year. Correct? Or is there only a few that you would prioritize? For us, we do it just for my paternal grandfather and my paternal grandmother. And she passed away a few years ago. So we just do that twice a year. But I do know of like really big traditional families in Korea who still do ceremonies for, for everybody. And, and it's, it's like a huge undertaking. So the atmosphere is somber and it's scary and all of that. When you would do these celebrations, I guess, lack of a better word, did you ever get a sense that the spirit was actually there? Was there ever something in the air or the, a change in the vibrations that I guess made you feel like your grandfather was actually there? I think when I was younger, I think I was just more scared by the idea of it. And maybe because I'd never known him, 
I don't know if I ever thought that he was actually there. I think maybe as a kid, I was so scared that I just kind of convinced myself that it wasn't real. But when we started doing it for my paternal grandmother, when I had grown up knowing her, it, it did feel like she was genuinely visiting us, right? So I could, and maybe that's a source of comfort for us as well, just thinking like, she's come and she's checking up on us and she's sitting there enjoying her favorite foods, things that she's sitting there like eating the sashimi that she never got a chance to eat when she was young and poor. So yeah, it's it's definitely a source of comfort. Maybe like you have that. to have that personal connection to the spirit to sense them. Were you born in Korea or have you lived here your whole life? So I've actually lived here my whole life, but there's such a there's such a like huge ethnic enclave of Korean Americans in Queens and actually now parts of New Jersey. I think that there's like a really huge Korean American community that's brought over a lot of these traditions and have like our own like so much of our own like cultural spaces that parts of New York and Fort Lee, New Jersey, you feel like you're in Korea. So it's really interesting in that that these beliefs and traditions have been brought over and are continuing in the diaspora. That is really awesome, especially considering you said a lot of your family is still in Korea. They're like, oh, we're too busy to do that. So it's nice that it's, it's found this, this place that it could be preserved. So that's kind of the more the happy, respectful side, you know, when thinking about ancestral spirits. But I've also been told so many like superstitions, urban legends and omens as well. My Korean cousins will come and they will, especially as a kid, like they would just try to spook us with all these like terrifying stories that they had heard in Korea and just scar us. For example, one is there was this, and I don't know if this is still a thing, but there was this urban legend that Korea schoolgirls had to cut their hair short above their shoulders. And that was a practice for many, many years. And there is this urban legend that the reason why that is, is that there are haunted bathrooms in, in schools there are actually a lot of ghost stories located in schools, maybe because they're like a source of like extreme stress <laughs> in Korea or bullying. But yeah, there are these like vengeful bathroom ghosts who will just grab onto well young girls with long hair and and kill them. <laughs> and of course, I had long hair as a child. So I'm hearing this story. I'm like, well, I can never go into a public bathroom again. <laughs> oh. oh, man. <laughs> That is terrifying. Oh, dear. <laughs> I, you know, I, I, when you said that, I was like, I have seen a disproportionate amount of Korean horror films that took place in schools. It just seems to be a That's thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a thing. Schools have, I think that's like the, the biggest ghost stories. I think that's where they take place. Maybe it's the age group. Maybe they're trying to like scare young kids and make it more relatable. Maybe there's just like a lot of traumatic memories in schools. There is an enormous pressure to succeed academically, especially because it's such a small country and there are limited jobs. I think there are a lot of suicides in schools. I think there are a lot of spirits filled with deep regret. And I think that that's something that's in many ghost cultures, the idea of a spirit that's stuck if they have unfinished business, if they were wronged, and if they're filled with deep regret. Which is why I think there are so many rituals so that you can make sure that they're not wandering in the afterlife filled with regret. You have to do all these rituals to help them pass. So there's a funny one with the virgin ghost, the Chanyagishin. And there are many of these ghost stories about virgin ghosts who are young women who did not fulfill their womanly duties on earth. <laughs> and they wander filled with deep regret. And they often target young men that they want to get together with. <laughs> I think there's a huge fascination with ghosts in Korean culture, especially like you see a lot of Korean dramas that also feature virgin ghosts. <laughs> well, speaking of ghosts, you lived in a haunted apartment. 
And actually, I think you're moving back into it, correct? Yes. Oh. <laughs> That's bold. <laughs> I know, I know. So, so why don't you start at the beginning with that? Honestly, I've always been a scaredy cat when it comes to ghosts, as much as I grew up listening to these stories. But I'd never really like experienced them. And until it was until I moved into my partner, then boyfriend's apartment in Ridgewood, Queens, that I was like, oh, gosh, like, this is there's something going on here. Like, this is real. I'm not just imagining these things. And he'd been living there for a few years before I moved in. But you know, I feel like there's this kind of machismo, like, oh, yeah, I don't, there's nothing going on here, (laughs) kind of thing. So for me, at first, it was like little things that that we would just laugh about, like, oh, we're just imagining it. Like, music coming on randomly on our phones, and we would be nowhere near it. And, like, Spotify would suddenly turn on and, and, and play music. And it's not, like, creepy, like, horror movie kind of ghost music that randomly comes on. It'd be, like, I don't know, whatever, like, hip-hop artist he was listening to at the time. So we thought, oh, that's nothing. We also have extremely creaky floors, creaky doors that just feels like someone's like walking around and moving things. But again, that just felt like something small, something that we could maybe be imagining. I think the building was built in the 1930s. It's older, but not super, super old. And our dog, I feel like there's always creepy things when like dogs just like suddenly lift their heads and like stare into corners and they start trembling. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And my dog is, we have a 65 pound pit bull and you can just imagine like when she gets scared, I get scared. (laughs) Pit bulls are so full of drama. (laughs) They are. (laughs) They're so sweet. So then one year we put up a Christmas tree and I arranged all the presents really neatly underneath this Christmas tree. I put my partner's family's presents on like one side, my family's presents like in the middle, different friend groups. I just arranged them really neatly. And I was really proud of this, right? Because growing up, my Korean immigrant family didn't really do Christmas like that. So this was really like a special opportunity for me to just rearrange everything really nicely. That day, My partner and I went out to do more Christmas shopping. And when we came back, I went to put the new presents where the old presents were and just put them in the right spots. I noticed like, oh, some of these are not where I put them. And I thought, well, that's weird. So I called my partner over thinking like, did someone like break into our apartment? (laughs) And... He was like, oh, no, maybe the dog knocked them over. But she's, you know, she's a 65-pound, like, lumbering, extremely clumsy dog. She would have knocked down the Christmas tree or something. And and maybe the presents would have been, like, knocked over, but not neatly rearranged. As someone who loves to, like, organize, it, it was definitely like, okay, something's going on here. There were so many, like, little experiences like that. Like, another time when I was showering... I suddenly felt the sensation of like someone touching the nape of my neck and I knew I was home alone, you know, but it just felt like, like the tip of their finger on the nape of my neck really gently wasn't like a push or anything. And I remember whipping my head around and actually calling out babe thinking like my partner had come home or he was playing tricks on me. But yeah, there was no one there. And there were so many like really creepy things in that bathroom, especially, you know, that horror movie moment where you're like washing your face or spitting your toothpaste into the sink and you look up and there's like something in the mirror. I always felt like there was something watching me from the end of the hallway and that if I looked up, I would see them in the mirror. So I I would... I would always close the bathroom door. I would always open the medicine cabinet so the mirror wasn't facing me. Like, it got to that point where I was just really paranoid. Okay, so let me tell you about the night that, like, (laughs) still sends chills down my spine. I've told so many people this story. A lot of people have their own theories about what I saw. So this was about five years ago. 
And I remember waking up feeling this deep sensation of something being really terribly wrong. And I'm normally a very heavy sleeper. I've literally slept through earthquakes in Puerto Rico. (laughs) But that night, my eyes just flew open. And I remember propping myself up onto my elbows. And in that apartment, in that bed, I slept on the left. My partner slept on the right. So I remember propping myself up and looking over to my right at my partner who's sleeping next to me. And standing over him was a woman. And she was crying with the most sorrowful, pained expression on her face. She was Asian, I remember, and maybe also Korean. She had very heavy-lidded eyes, like a long face. And she was really thin. And she had greenish-blue scrubs on and a surgical mask, but it was pushed down so I could see her mouth. And she had her hair tied back underneath a surgical cap. I remember all these details. Even now, I could point her out in a lineup. And she didn't look scary. like she, She looked like a regular person. But she was crying, and she was looking down, not at my partner, but almost like behind him, behind a headboard, as if something else was there. And she was watching it and crying. (laughs) You know, some people say it was sleep paralysis, but I distinctly remember moving around and speaking. My partner says I was so scared, I immediately burst into tears (laughs) and started speaking gibberish. But what I thought I was saying was, there's someone in the room, there's someone in the room. So I shook him awake, and my poor man, he thinks we're getting robbed. So he, like, jumps out of bed. He's, like, in his underwear, flips on the lights, about to fight someone. But as soon as he did, she disappeared. And he says he didn't see her, but I just remember her in such distinct detail. And I think I was, like, really inconsolable for a little bit. Like, both of us had adrenaline pumping through our veins, I don't know what it was. I don't know who she was. We have all these theories. Our friends have theories. Maybe we saw like a glimpse into the past. Maybe it's an omen in the future. My partner's cursed or something. (laughs) Or maybe there's just this like Asian surgeon haunting this space. You haven't heard any stories though about specifically a skinny female Asian surgeon at the apartments, because this this apartment is known to be haunted by more than just you, right? Yes. So our friends who we subletted the apartment to afterwards tell us they've experienced their own spooky experiences. And and I believe he said that he's seen like a greenish blue color. So maybe that's her scrubs. I don't know. I will say there is a hospital about a 15-minute walk away from the apartment. And we don't know who used to live in our apartment before us. Maybe she was a previous tenant. Maybe her spirit's just lost and confused and and wandering Ridgewood, Queens. (laughs) But when I told my, my father about it, he was like, you have to pour a little liquor there, the spot next to that bed. You have to purify the space. You have to send her off to the afterlife with a prayer because she's clearly suffering. So one night, my partner and I, we had like a little bit of vodka left over from cooking penne alla vodka. <laughs> so we poured like a little bit of vodka and, and said a, a prayer. But I mean, this was before our friends moved in. So if they're still seeing things, I may have to study up on some more Korean rituals since... We're moving back. Yeah, you are. And I would like to interject that the, the people that you sublet to are going to be featured in the next episode. We'll be interviewing them next. So we'll be able to have their stories as well and can kind of match up and see all the similarities. Sarah, just in your wildest imagination, speculation, what could she have been looking at? Yeah, that's a great question. 
I mentioned there there was this theory going around my friends that like that my partner maybe she was watching my partner and just she knew something maybe we were glimpsing into the future and and she's going to look down at she's going to be a real surgeon like alive looking down at my partner one day so that's one theory however i it really felt like she was looking behind him like behind the headboard so maybe she was looking at a different patient that she had lost and she maybe she was filled with regret that she couldn't save that patient what is behind your headboard currently? Could there have been something, somebody standing there in, in a past iteration? Maybe. I, I mean, the headboard is against the wall, but there's like a little space because of the radiator. So she was looking down. So because of that radiator is there, I don't think that like someone else, someone else could have been like lying down. It felt like maybe she was looking down at a bed that, you know, is clearly no longer there. Maybe before the radiator got put in. Maybe she was looking down at a child because she was looking down. So, yeah, there are a lot of theories. (laughs) But too sad to be just that she was upset that the heat was out. (laughs) (laughs) Not that. I don't know. Maybe she had a really bad day at work and, you know, sometimes you get (laughs) overwhelmed. Well, I'm wondering (laughs) if there's something in the wall. Oh, I mean, that would explain why she kept coming back after you tried to purify. Not saying you should bust out that wall and look for it. I mean, I'm sure that would, you would not get your deposit back after that. But (laughs) (laughs) when you said she was looking behind the headboard, that's just where my mind went. There's something in the wall. I have not thought about that. And that, wow, yeah. Sweet dreams. (laughs) (laughs) Becky, you're making this move back a lot harder for her. This is a service we provide. (laughs) So when you saw her and she was looking not at you and not at your partner, but behind the headboard, did you feel like she was aware of you two at all? No, no, I don't think so. She seemed like she was like really in her own mental space. Okay. And when your partner jumped out of bed, she vanished, but didn't look startled or surprised at him. I'm not sure. She looked so out of place in our bedroom. <laughs> Maybe she used to live there. But it it felt like almost like a like a rip in the space and time continuum. Like she like she didn't even look like a ghost to me. Like she looked like a real person just standing at the side of the bed. And the fact that I like could see her even as my partner was waking up like convinces me that I wasn't dreaming or imagining that the fact that I could move and I could see the tears rolling down her face it felt so odd she didn't look like a spirit it was so it was so odd well and it's also interesting you said that it woke you up with this feeling that something was wrong I mean that also fits into the sort of time slip theory you sort of sense that it's not the way it's supposed to be right now so if that's the case do you think that would also explain the other phenomena in your apartment? Like if maybe there's some sort of wormhole or space-time portal, I'm getting all sci-fi here, but (laughs) something of that nature going on in your apartment and you're just seeing like these slips in and out from different timelines. Yeah. So that was another theory that my partner and I had that time is not this linear path or trajectory, but it is cyclical and circular. And as someone who does believe in past lives and and next lives, I think about the energy that remains in spaces. So that definitely was a theory that we had. But there is also the sensation that like someone, and I don't think it's the Asian surgeon lady, (laughs) ghost lady, whatever she is, someone like some other entity is watching us knowing that we are there. And I especially get that when I'm in the bathroom and I I get the feeling, you know, our, our bathroom is at the end of a hallway and I get the feeling that someone's in the living room watching us whenever we're in the bathroom. And I don't think it's a malevolent spirit whatsoever, but I do think that we're being watched in that apartment. And I have never felt that anywhere else. I've lived in several other places before then, since then, 
But yeah, it is such a distinct feeling in that apartment. So I think they are aware of us, whatever they are. <laughs> you said they, so you think there's more than one? Besides besides the entity that you saw, you think that there's more than one ghost? Yeah, I think there there are. Just because the feeling that I get when I'm being watched is not like it doesn't feel like the Asian surgeon lady. Like she felt like she was just stuck in her own time and space and she just needs to move on. But whatever is watching us, yeah, I don't I don't think it's her. It feels like something different. It feels like someone more playful maybe cuz I think about the Christmas presents. Like someone who's just having fun, hanging out. Interesting. <laughs> Your father gave you this traditional advice from a Korean perspective. Did this woman look Korean? Maybe she's expecting a different send-off. To me, she looked Korean, but I've been wrong before. And even as a Korean person, like I don't want to make assumptions. We're, we're so wrong oftentimes because there's no monolith as to like what Koreans look like. Even for me, a lot of people say that I don't look Korean. And then it begs the question, right? Then like, what does a Korean look like? So to me, she looked Korean, but I don't want to make assumptions. But I like to think that regardless of what culture she is, that we can do something to help her move on. But I don't think the vodka worked. So, <laughs> <laughs> Right. Perhaps you have to do something that feels more true to you. Yeah, maybe. We actually had somebody last season who was Jewish and had something in his apartment that was terrifying him. He was a kid at the time. The mom went to the rabbi to figure out what to do. And the rabbi said, well, he's like, oh, well, I know of this one esoteric tradition you can try. What he told her to do was actually sort of akin to a Christian exorcism. And it worked. So it was like, well, we'll just borrow from some other traditions and see if that, that works for you. So you, know, you never know. I think there's power in any tradition that you pull from as long as you, you believe that it's going to work. Yeah, that's a really good point. I don't know. Part of me just, part of me wonders if we need to call like a budang. I don't know of any in, in New York. There are lots in Korea that you can call to 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 cleanse the space, but they're not. You know, there's no like one eight hundred number for them here. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we'll have to look up on the internet like what they do and see if there's something. So overall, Sarah, you said you were a scaredy cat. You said you're moving back into this haunted apartment. You know that it's still haunted. What are your emotions surrounding that? So I actually. I think I creeped myself out more <laughs> telling this story. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but I, I do comfort myself with the thought that they are not malevolent. They never did anything to harm us. I lived there with my partner very peacefully for four or five years, with the exception of those just those little moments. And I haven't seen her since. Although... Our friends who are currently subletting the space say that they have. I think right now I'm just going to think of, of these spirits as extra roommates. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Maybe they can help out with the rent one day. <laughs> well, are there any other folklore-related things that you would like to share with us in the few minutes that we have remaining? I know that you've done a lot of exploration into not just ghosts, but supernatural creatures and that sort of thing. Yeah, we definitely have so many interesting supernatural beings in Korean culture. And some of them actually do overlap with Chinese and Japanese mythological creatures as well. For example, one that I remember growing up reading in my Korean children's books was a creature called Tokebi. It's like D-O-K-E-B-I. If there's an object tainted with blood, then the Tokebi creature is created. In the stories that I grew up reading, these tokebi would punish people who had done something wrong, punish greedy humans who committed some kind of hubris, and the tokebi would come and beat them with like a, a stick or something. Those were one of those like kind of moral folk tales of just be a good person. Yeah. But one of my favorite supernatural beings is the kumio, which is a nine-tailed fox a spirit. And they can live for a thousand years. And they appear as really beautiful women who lure men to their death. And 
eat their livers and that helps them continue to live forever. And I remember growing up that this was told as like just another one of those cautionary tales of not everything is as it seems that beautiful woman might be a fox who will rip out your liver and eat it. <laughs> and you do have to watch out for that. Yeah. <laughs> Even in Korea, like to call a woman a fox, it's almost like akin to slut shaming. I joked around with my mom because she had tried to set me up on a blind date with a dentist or a doctor or a lawyer, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> And I, I had joked around like, oh, you you know, watch out, I'm going to eat him up. And she was, like I said, my mom is like terrified of these things. So she was like, don't even joke around. Don't even ever say that out loud. Like, <laughs> And I remember thinking like, Ooh. oh, like kumios really have such a horrible reputation. I, I wonder how much of it is gendered. So actually, we've been seeing a lot of positive depictions of, of kumios recently in Korean dramas. And I think actually there are a lot of like Korean American YA authors coming out with stories about kumios. So there is like this kind of resurgence in cultural fascination. I, I actually wrote a story, a short story, which you can find on my website about a kumio who can't move on. And, and she is clinging onto this kind of space between the mortal realm and, and the afterlife and just, just like, trying to survive and she's lost the reason why she's fighting so hard to stay alive. So I tried to explore some of kind of the themes of what it means to be stuck. Wow. Nice. When you first said fox with nine tails, I, I thought kitsune immediately, but it, I've never heard of a kitsune eating anybody's liver. So <laughs> perhaps totally different multi-tailed longevity fox. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think there are some overlaps I mean, there's so much hostility between cultural and historical complexities between Korea and Japan that I think to this day, probably historians and, and cultural professors and whatnot will probably argue that it originates in one place and not the other. But yeah, I, I can't speak to as to like where it originates from, but it is ever so slightly different. But there are there are stories about nine-tailed foxes in, in many Asian cultures. I think foxes have this kind of connection between the mortal human realm and the spirit world. What was the name of the story that you wrote so people can find it? It's called The Kumio Song. It was published in Truancy Magazine, which I believe is, is kind of like a like sci-fi slash fantasy online publication. And yeah, you can find the link on my website to their magazine <laughs> where it's published. Perfect. I love that you've done that. I, I think we see it a lot right now where a lot of authors are taking these traditionally bad supernatural creatures, female supernatural creatures, and trying to put a twist on it and tell it from the feminine perspective and sort of undo some of the damage that's done from that. I've seen that a lot with Medusa lately. Yeah. And I love that you have added to that effort. Do you have any parting remarks before we let you go? Just to repeat myself, you can check out my writing at sarahjennypark.com. You can also check out Mochi Magazine, which is near and dear to my heart. As I said, it's an online publication for Asian American women. We are always recruiting volunteers, so come check us out. Our fall issues theme is actually auspicious slash superstitious, so there are exciting Ooh. things on the horizon. Awesome. And we will have links to both Sarah's website and Mochi Magazine on our show notes, which you can find at homespunhaints.com. Also, please be sure you follow us on Instagram at homespunhaints, Facebook at homespunhaints, Pinterest at homespunhaints, Twitter at homespunhaints, and YouTube account homespunhaints. And Sarah, can people follow you on social accounts? Sure. You can follow me at, at fragile underscore underscore things. It's currently a private account. I don't have a public writing account, although I definitely should start one soon. Yeah, definitely shoot me a friend request. Is that on Instagram? It is on Instagram. Okay, excellent. Well, Sarah, thank you so much. This was really, really cool. I learned so much today, and you have some very spooky stories, and good luck moving back into your apartment. Thank you. <laughs> and to our listeners, until next time, have a spooky day. Homespun Hates is hosted by Becky Keelan-Nick and Diana Doty and produced by The Concept Spot. 
Editing and music by Becky Kilimnik. Show notes by Diana Doty. If you have a ghost story and you'd like to be considered as a guest for this podcast, please visit our website at homespunhaints.com slash submit. Can you have too many houseplants? I don't think so. Get some Leaf Joy by Proven Winners Houseplants. They have varieties like you've never seen. Big, small, tall, colorful, even some that grow in just water. And the quality is unreal. There is a Leaf Joy by Proven Winners Houseplant for every room in your home. They even come with care instructions. Leaf Joy by Proven Winners. Bring nature inside. Shop for them at the Home Depot or your favorite garden center. Deep in the bowels of Oklahoma exists a passageway that has remained locked for decades, untouched by mortals. We don't know why it was sealed nearly a century ago, but we are thirsting to find out. So thirsty. Do you have the same insatiable curiosity as us to see what lies beyond its threshold? On September 24th, 2023. We will unveil the shadows together via live stream as we open this sealed passageway, slaking our thirst for arcane knowledge. And we want you to be there with us. Virtually, of course. This may be dangerous. We don't have liability insurance. Oh my eye! But what will we find? Is this passageway a sealed tomb? A hideaway for treasure? A portal into another dimension? Maybe it's alien. Even we won't know until September 24th, and you can be there to discover the secrets with us. I'm not scared. Visit homespunhaints.com slash basement to RSVP for this event and find out how you can participate in this interactive adventure with us. As long as there's darkness to explore, we shall remain its loyal devotees. RSVP now and immerse yourself in the abyss of the unknown that is Diana's basement. <laughs> Visit homespunhaints.com slash basement.